coming up. This is absolutely one of the most gut-wrenching scenarios that I've dealt with, and I've seen a lot and been through a lot, and I cannot imagine what this family is going through. For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. And I'm Will Johnson. You're listening to The Daily Crime. Carolina Sheriff's Office announced a settlement this week in a lawsuit filed by the family of Andrew Brown Jr., a black man shot and killed in his car by sheriff's deputies in April of 2021. $3 million cannot bring back Andrew Brown Jr., but family attorneys say that that money at least ensures his children are taken care of. And in Texas, the dramatic weeks-long manhunt for a convicted murderer on the run came to a violent end last week, leaving six people dead, including the fugitive. This small town has been living in fear for the last three weeks as this manhunt unfolded. And today, they're just absolutely horrified and stunned as to how it ended. Reed, before we talk about the news of a settlement in the lawsuit filed by the family of Andrew Brown Jr., for those of us who aren't familiar with Brown's story, what happened back in April of 2021? Andrew Brown Jr. was 42 years old when he was killed by Pasquotank County Sheriff's deputies on April 21st of 2021. The deputies were reportedly serving drug-related warrants at his home in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, when several deputies surrounded Brown while he was in his car. Brown tried to drive away. That's when officers fired several shots at the vehicle. Three deputies shot at least 14 times, most of the shots coming while Brown was driving away, and Brown was killed when one of the bullets struck the back of his head. An autopsy ruled Brown's death a homicide and also noted that he was shot in the right arm and suffered wounds to his right arm, right thigh, and upper back. And Andrew Brown Jr.'s killing set off weeks of protests in and around Elizabeth City. Hundreds of people walked through the streets and into neighborhoods of Elizabeth City, making their voices heard. 20 seconds! They want more answers to why Pascatane County Sheriff's deputies shot and killed Brown while serving a search warrant. The Brown family was only able to see 20 seconds of redacted body camera video of the moment Brown was killed. Protesters walked to where the incident took place outside of Brown's home. Say his name! Andrew Brown! Say his name! Andrew Brown! Attorneys for Andrew Brown's family called his killing a public execution and they said he was in fear of his life and he was fleeing, trying to get away, not drive toward any of the deputies. But then in May of 2021, so the month after... District Attorney Andrew Womble released results of a state investigation into Brown's killing that called the shooting justified. Lawyers for Brown's family released a statement calling that decision an insult and a slap in the face to the family and, quote, to rational people everywhere, end quote. So essentially, we heard two different versions of what the footage showed, one from the district attorney and then one from the family's attorneys. The Brown family attorney saying something very different in the video. The contradictions are stark. When the shot was fired, he put the car in reverse, putting several feet, if not yards, away from the police. Despite this tense situation and the aggressive driving by Mr. Brown, no law enforcement officer fired a shot. The video appears to support that the first shot was fired after Brown put the car in reverse and as he was fleeing. Then, these conflicting versions. Brown continued the felonious assault by using his vehicle as a deadly weapon and made contact a second time with Deputy Lunsford. We were able to see where they possibly reached out to make contact to him, 
but we did not see any actions on Mr. Brown's part where he made contact with them. The video shows the contact is initiated by the deputies. Deputy Lunsford used his left hand to push off of the hood. Listen to these interpretations of what happens next. He turned his wheel to the left to turn it away from the law enforcement officers. And turn the steering wheel left directly at law enforcement officers who had now surrounded his vehicle. It's in part why Womble says Brown was using his car as a weapon, but the left turn appears to be in an effort to get away. Shots are still fired, including the fatal one to the back of the head. And as those bullets flew, who, including officers parked on the street, or what, surrounding homes, became in danger. That decision from the state came back in May of 2021. Before we get to the latest news here, what else happened over the past year? Well, there's been a lot. Initially, seven deputies were placed on leave, but four were returned to duty after it was determined that those four didn't fire their weapons in the incident. The three who did fire their weapons were Daniel Meads, Robert Morgan, and Aaron Llewellyn. Meads and Morgan returned to work in June of 2021 after that decision from the district attorney. Llewellyn reportedly resigned. And from there, there were more protests and the family continued to demand justice. Andrew Brown's family members plan to file a civil lawsuit in federal court soon. The FBI is already working on a civil rights investigation and protesters want the public release of both the SBI investigation files and all of the body camera videos. Over that summer, the summer of 2021, the family of Andrew Brown Jr. ended up filing a $30 million civil rights lawsuit saying that Brown died because the officers showed, quote, intentional and reckless disregard for his life, end quote. And that's the piece of this that we now have an outcome on. And what was that outcome? What's the latest on this civil case here? Earlier this week, the Pasquotank County Sheriff's Office announced that they'd reached a $3 million settlement with the family. This county, the city, uh, the world spotlight was on the Lisbon City. The attorneys for Andrew Brown Jr.'s family call it a step toward closure. They in Pasquotank County reached a $3 million civil settlement, $2 million to be paid out by the county's insurance policy, and the remaining $1 million comes from the county itself. I still want to give my sincerest condolences to the Brown family. Uh, it's not a whole lot you can say to make that much better. As part of the settlement, all claims against the sheriff and the three deputies will be dismissed. And the money from the settlement is set to go to Brown's children as heirs of his estate. A statement from the five attorneys representing the family said, quote, Andrew Brown Jr. was a devoted father who wanted his children to have the things he didn't. While no settlement could ever fill the hole his death left in their hearts, this agreement is about providing for those children's futures, securing their education, and ensuring their dreams didn't die with their father, end quote. And I'll mention that our partner station, WVC in Norfolk, Virginia, has been covering this case since April of 2021. So for more on the settlement and for more on the background of this case, all of their coverage can be found at 13newsnow.com. And Reed, before we move on to our second story today, what else can you tell us about Andrew Brown Jr.? Who was he? The Associated Press spoke to family members who remember Andrew, whom they called Drew, as a storyteller, a jokester, and a loving father. An aunt told the AP that he always had a joke ready. A cousin talked about him having a great heart and remembered him always telling humorous stories at family gatherings, including the last time that that she said she saw him at a socially distanced birthday celebration for a 92-year-old grandmother. Family members also told the AP about some challenges that Brown faced throughout his life. His aunt said that his mother was killed when Brown was just 12 or 13 years old, and that several years ago his father died while in federal prison. 
that aunt said that he had troubles with drugs and with the law and, and keeping a job, but that he always found ways to support his children through all of it. Brown had seven children and family members said that he was above all determined to give his kids a better life than the one he had. Gonzalo Lopez escaped a prison transport bus on May 12th in Central Texas. Before we get to that escape and the manhunt that came after, Will, what can you tell us about Lopez? Why was he in prison? Lopez had a lengthy rap sheet. He was serving back-to-back life sentences for shooting at a Webb County, Texas sheriff's deputy back in 2004 and then killing a man with a pickaxe in Hidalgo County after holding him ransom on a drug debt. And in fact, it wasn't the first time Lopez managed to hide from police for an extended period of time. In 2004, he was also able to run away from a police chase in South Texas. He stayed hidden with the help of a cartel associate at the time. So getting to last month, how exactly did Lopez manage to escape from that bus back in May? He was being transported from a unit outside of Gatesville in central Texas to a prison medical facility in Huntsville when he was able to somehow get out of his shackles, cut through a metal barrier before stabbing and injuring a correctional officer on that bus and then getting away on foot after the transport bus he had taken over crashed. So it was this violent, dramatic scene. Authorities said it's still unclear if anyone from the inside helped him get away. There have been some reports that other inmates might have been involved, but but we don't have confirmation from police on that yet. The search to find the 46-year-old convict was then focused in and around Centerville, Texas, which is about two hours north of Houston and pretty much where he was when he escaped. Now, now at some point, DNA linked to Lopez was found in a home that had been burglarized in Centerville. But then after weeks of searching in the area, police made a horrific discovery at another home. Five family members killed inside a Centerville home. The Leon County Sheriff's Office tells us that yesterday afternoon, they did find the bodies of those five family members inside a home on this ranch property near Centerville. Now, this ranch is located off Highway 7. It's located actually just half a mile from where Gonzalo Lopez first escaped that prison bus last month. Investigators say Lopez broke into the home sometime Thursday, gained access to several firearms. He assaulted a 66-year-old grandfather, his 18-year-old grandson, and then those three other younger grandsons. After those murders, he took their white pickup truck on the property. Hours later, he was spotted south of San Antonio, and after a short police chase, he was killed in a shootout with police. This has been crazy, especially with having two kids of my own. Um, It's been scary. We moved out to the country for safety, not to have a murderer that killed five people. It's going to be felt through the whole community. The victims found in that home, all there for a weekend of hunting and fishing, this was a vacation home in the area, were 66-year-old Mark Collins and four of his grandsons. 18-year-old Waylon Collins, 16-year-old Carson Collins, 11-year-old Hudson Collins, along with their cousin, 11-year-old Bryson Collins. The four grandchildren were all from the Houston area. Nobody can imagine what this family is going through. Can you imagine the mother and father of the three Collins brothers? Those three brothers, their only children. I stopped by the family's home earlier. That's also where the family's pastor spent many hours over the last couple of days or since last night at least. He says this is a family of deep faith and faith will help get them through what is to so many people so, so unimaginable. Five lives lost. Relatives of Mark Collins and his four grandsons spoke Sunday at Houston Northwest Church. God is still God and we're not. 
And God is still on his throne. And there is a purpose in this, no doubt. So, Will, you mentioned that DNA linked to Lopez was found in that first home in the Centerville area weeks before those five family members were found dead. Community members are now asking why they weren't alerted to a potential safety threat. What are police in Texas saying about that? Right. It's understandable that that question is being asked. Family members, neighbors are demanding answers. KHOU 11 asked the Texas Department of Criminal Justice if that information about the DNA and a break-in had been shared at all. Now, the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, or TDCJ, confirmed DNA had been collected from a nearby cabin a few days prior to when the Collins family was killed. They said the DNA was taken from the cabin next door to where the Collins were staying, and it had been burglarized. But they've also said the confirmation of the DNA evidence didn't come back to them until after the family had been killed. DPS told KHOU 11 that no further information can be released as it is an ongoing investigation. But they've also said that the ranch home where the family was killed had been identified and cleared numerous times throughout the manhunt. But clearly, questions are still being raised about that timeline and any lack of communication from authorities. If Mr. Collins would have known he was still in this area, he most likely, I'm sure he would not have brought his grandsons up here. Going back to the escape itself, Questions are being raised about prison transport. What can you tell us about that? The latest news, again, from the Texas Department of Criminal Justice is that they have suspended the transport of inmates in the wake of what happened with Gonzalo Lopez. This is a terrible, terrible wake up that security of inmate transportation is too taken too lightly. State Senator John Whitmire, who chairs the Criminal Justice Committee, called for TDCJ to stop the transport of violent offenders until an investigation is complete. How he was able to get out of his handcuffs is obviously under very close review. And then he had a weapon. So whoever patted him down made a huge mistake. All right, Will, thank you. And thanks as well to KHOU in Houston and WVC in Norfolk for bringing us these two stories this week. And thanks for listening to The Daily Crime. We are here five days a week, Monday through Friday. For Vault Studios, along with Reed Redman, I'm Will Johnson.